Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, welcome back to the podcast. I hope your week is treating you well. Happy Tuesday. I have to tell you that I have this paint by number thing that I started, gosh, I started it in the spring and it was supposed to be my spring summer hobby. I did one before, I loved it. It was such a treat to kind of like sit outside and paint, listen to a podcast. And I had grand visions for this one that I got. It was like sunflowers and It was very exciting and I intended to be finished by fall because I have other hobbies that I want to pursue in fall, right? Like I want to knit. Y'all, I didn't do it enough to the point where the paints have dried out. And I'm not saying like I left them open so the paints dried out. Like no, I think that just from like sheer age, they're dry, like fully dry. I just never made it into a routine and I just kept thinking like, oh, I need to paint more. I should paint more. I really need to paint more. And I never really decided when I would paint, where I would paint, why I was painting. And I found that because of that, I just wasn't creating space for it because there was nowhere for it to live in my life. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this episode. And I was like, this is kind of the perfect example of what happens when we don't build a routine, when we don't turn something that we intend to do into a ritual or into a routine. It's not that it's bad, right, to have things that you aren't doing that you intended to do. Like, in my opinion, it's a morally neutral thing. I need to iterate, like, there is no failing at self-care, right? But is it what I wanted? Is that what I wanted for myself? No. And I, that's what we're talking about today. So as we wrap up our series on rituals and routines, I wanted to talk about what do we do when we either struggle to turn things into routines, like my painting, or when we can't sustain a routine that we planned for ourselves. Maybe we say, I'm going to wake up at six o'clock every morning and then we don't do it and we feel like we failed. What do we do then? So grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe tea for you. And let's get into it. So the first thing I want to address is when it never becomes a routine, right? Like we intend to do it, but we never quite make it a habit. We never build a home for it in our lives. So the first thing to do in that case is to set clear goals and objectives, right? Determine why this is something that's important to you, where it's going to go in your life, and when you're going to do it, right? For me with painting, I could have said, I'm going to paint for an hour every Saturday on my side porch listening to a podcast because I know that makes me feel really happy. It makes me feel like I had an enriched day instead of just kind of going through and doing chores all day long. Then start small, right? Don't go, I'm going to paint every day for the next year you know, go, okay, what's reasonable for me? I like to ask my clients, well, what would be easy? What feels easy for you? Realistic but optimistic, I think is another really good mantra for this. Choose a specific time because it needs to have a home. It can't just be someday, sometime, somewhere. 
it needs to be a specific time so that I keep saying it has a place in your life, you know where it goes, and then create a trigger for that. So what happens before you do this, right? Maybe you paint every Saturday after you've cleaned the whole house and all the candles are lit. Maybe you paint every Saturday first thing in the morning so that you don't forget to do it, right? Right after you've had your morning coffee and breakfast. Choose a time of day, be specific, and determine what your trigger is. Maybe it's finishing your coffee and washing the dishes. Maybe it's having your coffee. Maybe it's something you can do while you drink your coffee. Whatever it is, something that you already do every day, attach it to that habit so that there's a quick reminder, okay, now it's time to move on and do this thing. And then y'all set reminders, right? Like as we're building a habit, as this is becoming something new, we need something to alert us that it's time to do the thing. So yes, that's tacking it onto another habit, but also if you're anything like me, you might need a little extra push, right? Set an alarm, put it on your calendar, block it off so other things can't take that time away from you and build in a reminder for yourself so that you don't forget when the time comes. So that's what we do if we've never built it into a routine. It's just like something we say we'll always do, but we never quite make time for. Now, what do we do when we miss a day? Okay, I say I'm going to wake up and I'm going to work out every morning for a month straight and Tuesday I don't do it. I don't feel like it, don't want to, don't do it, sleep through my alarm, push snooze, whatever it is, not going to happen, not going to do it. What do we do then? First, be gentle, right? Be gentle with yourself. Don't beat yourself up about it. Missing a day is like literally not a big deal at all. It doesn't matter. It's morally neutral. It's actually fine. (laughs) If you tell me, hey, I'm going to work out every day for 30 days and you work out 25 of those days, you did it right? Like you did the goal. This is 25 more times than you did before. Very exciting. So this whole, like, I need perfection or nothing, release it. It's it's not important. It's an unnecessary guilt. Number two, do you acknowledge it, right? Kind of reflect on it. Say, what did it feel like to push snooze? How do I want to feel instead? What does it look like when I work out? What does it look like when I don't work out? What does it feel like to not paint? To have like a painting sitting in the corner of your office that you're looking at and you're not working on? What does it feel like to pull those paints out and for them to be dry? Does that feel good? Is that what I want? Reflect on it. Give yourself space to hold guilt-free with kindness what you want and what you don't want. Because we really want to avoid this all or nothing mentality, right? It's never worked. I don't know anyone who has tried to build a goal or do anything with the mentality of either I do it all the way or I don't do anything at all and it actually serves them. What will serve you is going, okay, I missed a day. I didn't like the way that felt. I'm going to get back on it tomorrow. What would support me in getting back into it tomorrow? What do I need in order to make that easier for myself? Is it a backup alarm? Is it to chug a glass of water first thing in the morning? Is it to have a more comfortable place where you can sit and paint? What do you need to make this easier? And then just get back on track. Get back to it the next day. Really celebrate the like shoot for the stars, land on the moon mentality, right? Or I think it's the other way around. Shoot for the moon, land among the stars. But whatever it is, right? Like if I'm setting a goal, for 30 days of doing something and I do it 25, that should be celebrated. It's not a failure. So release that because the whole point of making a goal like that is to do it more. So celebrate that. Don't get focused on 
what you don't do, focus on what you are doing. And then make adjustments, right? What do I need to feel more supported in this? Why didn't I do that? What can I do instead? It's a long-term commitment, right? Like setting a goal, building in a routine. This isn't like a sprint. <laughs> this is a marathon. So we need for this to be sustainable, nourishing, supportive. We don't need for it to be like full of shame and guilt and dread. Like this is your life. We're building things in for your life. So don't focus so much on how you fail, how you fall short, what you're not good at. Don't focus on, I'm going to do it perfectly or I'm a failure. Instead, go, how can I make this more sustainable? What do I need in order for this to be more sustainable? How can I love myself through the process of building this routine? How can I get back on track quickly and in a way that serves me. In that space where you are seeking to build a habit, in that like, it's I'm building it, I'm working on it, it's not quite muscle memory for me yet. So this is where we often miss a day or two. And I just wanna talk about what do we do when we don't feel like it? I just woke up and I don't feel like doing the thing. I encourage you to do a few things in that regard. So the first one is start visualizing it the night before. So really actually visualize yourself doing it from beginning to end. Visualize how good you're going to feel afterward. Visualize it from the time you wake up to the end of you having accomplished your goal. So even if your goal is at the end of the day, visualize your entire day going well, and then what's gonna trigger you to do the thing that you said you were gonna do. Paint a mental picture. There is so much evidence out there that says that visualization is key. There's one particular study that I, I didn't actually put down in my notes, I'm just remembering now. So. I might be like off on the facts here, but they basically took two groups of basketball players. They had one group of basketball players just shooting free throws all day, every day, practicing, practicing, practicing. The other group was visualizing themselves making those free throws. And the visualization group did better than the group that was just physically practicing. There's so much power in your mind and there's so much power in thinking through what you are going to do. The other thing about visualization that I found personally is that when I lay down at night and I quickly make a little plan for my day the next day in my head, I wake up and I don't decide that morning what I'm going to do because I've already decided. So I just take action at that point, which is so helpful because my decision-making skills first thing in the morning are so low that it wastes a ton of time. Like if I wake up and I'm trying to decide what am I gonna do first? What am I gonna have for breakfast? Where am I gonna work that day? What am I gonna wear? Like that is just so much time lost for me personally because I can be so indecisive. So sitting down in the at night, visualizing my day the way that I hope my day to go helps me to not have to make decisions the next morning. I can just go, okay, I'm following the plan. Two is positive brainwashing. So take time to input information and input media that support the goal that you want to do. So a great point for this, right, with the painting is if I want to paint more, I can watch Bob Ross. I can watch painting reels on Instagram. I can watch YouTube. I can take Skillshare classes all on painting. 
And that's going to make me crave painting, right? Just like watching other people do it makes me crave it. The same thing is true for moving your body. The same thing is true for cleaning the house. Like there's so much media and what we're taking in influences us unconsciously. So choosing things that brainwash you in the direction you want to go is so supportive. I think this is great for body positivity too. If you're following people who speak to body neutrality, who speak to nutrition from a place of adding in good things, not taking away things from yourself. If you follow people who look like you, having a great life, like all of this stuff inputs information into your brain that supports the direction you want to go. And then the third thing here is, this is controversial, honestly, but I think it's helpful to know your why and to respect that. And what I mean by this is, I do think there's an element of discipline involved. I'm all for not operating out of place of like strict discipline. My my whole first book is about this. like go through curiosity and self-compassion. And that's why I'm saying why, but I have found in the work that I do more often than not, people, you know, we're all burnout, right? Like we are tired. This operating the way that we have as a society, especially in America, is not serving people. And, and we're burnout in these directions for other people typically. And then we're lost on actually holding this space for ourselves, even when we don't feel like doing something, right? Because this is the only place we have control. And so if you're burnout at work and you don't feel like you can say no at work, but you have these personal goals, these personal objectives, and you feel a similar energy of discipline, of structure, of have to, should, then where can you rebel? Where can you listen to your feelings? It's the easiest place to give yourself less of what you have, right? So you don't want to slack at work, but you can definitely do less when it comes to the things that you're really passionate about. And I don't think that's a bad choice. It's just a choice. But I see so many people not actively, aggressively pursuing their own goals because they're so tired of not feeling like they have a choice. And so that's why I really think it's important that you connect to your why, because then we can use intention instead of discipline. We can go, okay, this is who I wanna be. This is where I wanna go. Here's why that's important to me. And use that as your motivator to do it when you don't feel like it, to not just let that temporary desire to numb out, to sleep, to not do, you deserve to feel alive, to feel connected to being. It's a, it's a misnomer, right? That burnout, it's a misconception that burnout is created only by not resting. You can be burnout and work 10 hours a week because you've lost life force, right? You've lost energy for being, you've lost connection to your purpose and your values. And so therefore you don't care anymore. You don't have the energy to care anymore. And that's the form of burnout I see more often. And in that space of burnout, it is critical that you give yourself time and energy for the things that matter to you. It's critical. 
Because when you lose sight of your own joy, your own purpose, your own intentions, even things like movement, which release the happy chemicals that we depend upon, right? Like if we lose energy for those things, then there's nothing pouring back into us. We're not replenishing right? Rest is lovely and wonderful and necessary and valuable. However, there is a deeper rest that comes from doing things that are hard, that offer us the happy chemicals that we require and the confidence that allows us to build. I want you to connect to your why, connect to your purpose and stay the course. So what do we do when we just stop doing it? We've been doing it for months. It's been working, it's, we've been feeling great. And then I just stop. Out of nowhere, seemingly, I just quit doing it. I used to do that thing. I loved when I was doing that thing, but I just don't do it anymore. When we're in that space, check in with how have you changed? Because one of the things that can happen is that we attach ourselves to the idea that routines are meant to last forever. And I really think routines are more seasonal, like more supportive on a seasonal basis. So check in once a quarter and just go, is this routine working for me? What do I need this quarter? Who I am and what I need in the summer is so different than who I am and what I need in the winter. So it would make sense that if in the summer I'm waking up at five in the morning and going for a run, That in the winter when it's 20 degrees out, that habit no longer works for me. So instead of shaming myself and going, what's wrong with me? Why don't I maintain this habit that I said I would maintain? I need to reevaluate and go, what kind of movement will support me in the winter? And I'm sorry I'm harping on movement a lot. It's just the number one thing that people ask me about with this. And I love talking about movement as a practice that is not attached to diet culture. So Movement is a lovely thing and it's a wonderful thing, but I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that you need to shrink yourself when I talk about exercise. Okay. So the second piece of this is to release the expectation that this is something that needs to last forever, check into it seasonally, and then determine is this a short-term or a long-term routine. Sometimes routines are just meant to be short-term. Maybe we only need them for that season. Maybe it's not something that you intend to change for your entire life, but it's just something that you know you kind of need right now. So let that be fluid. Let that just be what it is. I have a lot of friends who have done artist challenges where they they post online every day for 30 days and that challenge has really supported them in being a more prolific creator. But posting online every day for the next 100 years That's a a long time. But posting every day for the next 50 years or whatever isn't going to support them in the same way, right? But that 30 days, that was what it needed to be, and then we can be more fluid. I've talked before about how I like to do the summer of pleasure where I take off from perfecting, and that's a routine, right? Like not making the bed, not obsessing over all the little things that I feel like I need to obsess over, releasing a lot of these like structures that I put in for myself gives me space to miss those routines so that I crave them again. And then I, in the fall, can reinstate the ones that feel like they need to come back into my life. But I can't sustain that forever. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't feel good. It feels good in the summer. It does not feel good year round, right? Because I'm losing all of my self-care practices. But then some of these things are long-term, right? Like 
you want to build it back. You say you, you did it for several months, you lost it, but you're like, no, I really need to gain this back because it's something that I deeply miss when it's gone. So for me, that's journaling. Like journaling is a non-negotiable. I have to do it just about every day. If I were to drop off for several months, I would need to rebuild that habit. It's not going to just be there again. I need to build it back. And so we're going to, at that point, go back and practice from last week's episode and build this thing back in, reconnect to why we do it. And then we're going to have to use discipline until it becomes muscle memory, right? It's going to have to be just the commitment that we made to ourselves until it starts to be muscle memory again. And that space where we're using discipline and not muscle memory, we have to do it even when we don't feel like it because until it becomes muscle memory, it's going to be hard. That's just what routines are. They're hard to build, but they're easy to sustain once they've been built. And then what do we do when something disrupts it? So let's say we've been doing this for several months and then something happens that throws us off. So that's maybe travel. We get, maybe we've been waking up at five in the morning. I'm like, this is like me projecting because we, Obi and I've been waking up at five in the morning, but we have a California trip coming up. And I'm like, dang, what are we going to do when we're jet lagged? And that's, again, a time where we're going to rebuild this habit, revisit if this is a habit we want to form and rebuild, and we're going to have to use discipline. Maybe we have something come up with our family or mental health or the weather, like we talked about with that, you know, running and seasonality. Weather's a great example, particularly with the running practice, right? Like, okay, I wake up in the morning, I go for a run. In the summer, that temperature is reasonable. In the winter, it is absolutely not. This is where we get to determine, was this a long-term goal or a short-term goal? If it was a short-term goal, then what movement would support me in winter? What habit do I want to have in winter? And can I, where do I do that? How does that work? Where do, you know, when do I put it in my life? If it's a long-term goal that running is the thing, where do I need to run in the morning? Or is there a different time of day, a different location? How do I support this goal now that the weather has changed? Now it's been disrupted. What needs to happen to support me in getting back into it, right? And then finally, pay attention to how you talk to yourself. It's so demotivating to be talked down to, to be shamed, to be told that you're failing, to be controlled, right? Those things are so demotivating. I think about the example that I used to use at workshops when I would talk about goal building and and goal maintenance, about how when you're learning something, when you're building a routine and you use shame, it's like watching a kid learning to tie their shoes, just making them feel terrible the whole time saying like, why can't you do this? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you able to do this? Why is this so hard for you? What's the problem? You should be able to do this. That child, right? Their response is going to be to give up. They're going to feel like there's something wrong with them, that they are broken. They're going to feel really discouraged. It's going to break their heart, right? So when you speak to yourself, you need to speak to yourself like a child who's learning to tie their shoes for the first time, right? Like slow down, pay attention, ask questions, encourage them, tell them, you know what, this is hard, but you're going to be okay. You can figure this out. Once you figure it out, it's going to be easy. But while we're learning, it's going to be hard and that's okay. That's normal. 
What do we need to do to make this easier? Problem solve, right? So be gentle with yourself. Offer yourself space to fall and to just get back up and to learn from those steps and to improve along the way, right? Show yourself genuine curiosity and kindness and build that trust so that when you do quote unquote fall short of your intentions, you don't see it as a failure. You see it as just part of the process and you just get back to it. Okay, friends, I hope this is supportive. If you have questions about routine and rituals, since this is our last scheduled episode on it, send those in to 828-338-9127. You can call or text those in. I answer questions every Wednesday. Next week, we start our new series, which is all about accessing your inner child through the lens of the soul child, which is an Enneagram theory I'm really excited about. So thank you all so much for being here and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.